What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us here for a very special Wednesday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. I am your host, Joe Orico, and we are joined by a couple of very special guests rejoining the show for the first time in way too long. I don't know what I've been doing, haven't had them on. One of them in almost a year, one of them it has been at least seven, eight months. We're going to be talking ADP battles, and we are joined by Scott Bogman and Michael Govier. This one should be very fun, two of the more energetic, fun people in the industry. How are you guys doing today? I just hope we disagree. You know, let's get some disagreements going so Govier can yell at me. That's what I want. That's my goal here. So uh, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Joe. And uh, excited to be here with Govier, too. This is going to be a fun one. Yeah, I practiced by listening to In This League ADP or basically positional discussional episodes where you and Welsh were breaking down first base. There was some Thai France entertainment which always yeah. gets me rock and then much much more where that came from so i'm certain that we will disagree on a few things today but as always joe great to see you man we're long overdue blotso podcast is a big fan of what you do we support you here 24 7 and uh, of course bogman knows that i respect him so much that i would probably get naked for him if he asked politely well hey you know what if we got some special requests coming up later on in the stream maybe who knows we'll uh, we'll entertain some of those th- uh, some of those thoughts I'm Guys, already subscribed to GoVA's OnlyFans. <laughs> <laughs> free plug, free plug uh, GoVA at OnlyFans. You guys should definitely be checking that out. <laughs> Any other work you guys want to plug before we start uh, getting going here, Bogman? Why don't you let us know what's going on at In This League? Yeah, of course. In This League, the uh, fantasy baseball tournament on baseball pods is happening right now. Welsh and I are in the final four, which is exciting. It gets Rotowire. Uh, so, you know. That one, I don't know if we're going to be Roto-Wire. Like, uh, we'll see. It's it's real close in the voting right now, but we could uh, go on to the championship for the first time. We've got to this point before. Haven't got to the championship before. So we're doing that. Obviously, we're doing the podcast over at In This League as well. The Welsh has got Prospect 1. Also, I'm doing the NFL Draft War Room with my guy CK over at In This League. We're talking prospects. I'm over at Fantasy Pros doing the Dynasty Fantasy Football Podcast with Pat Fitzmorris. Over there, CFB Winning Edge with my guys Nick and Xavier. So uh, there is so much of my voice on the internet. If you want to hear it, just check out App Ogden Sports. You can find me talk about something interesting that you like somewhere for sure. There's a lot of Bogman. There's a lot of good Bogman. And clearly, based on the results from the Baseball Pods tournament, a lot of people do agree. In this league is ahead right now, 51.1% to Rotowire's 48.9. Four hours left to vote. Go out there and support Bogman and our friend the Welsh over at In This League. Go ahead and vote there uh, at Baseball Pods on Twitter. Go support those guys. Now, myself and Govier bowed out of this tournament a little while back. But Govier, what's going on with Palazzo Podcast and anything else uh, you got going on? FTN? What else? What else is happening in your world? I hate to blow up your spot, Joe, but are people going to hear this after the fact? It'll be pointless, right, to vote because they'll either be in or out. 
Or is um, that not how this? It should be out within four hours. They should have a little bit of time to go and run to their Twitter and. Uh, <laughs> and, it, and if we do win, vote tomorrow for us. Yeah, Let's do okay, that. Great. Yeah. There you go. That works for me. Yeah, we lost in the second round to Fantasy Six Pack, and it was a real tight affair. Super, super tight. Heartbreaker. We've never been to the Sweet 16. We would love to, but we were given our highest seat ever. So I just take a great compliment in the fact that we were given a three seat, I think, this year. That's a big, Ooh. big sign of respect for a podcast like this in this league that has, you know, we're independent. We do it our own way, and we're, we're uh, kind of a similar brotherhood type shows beyond just the fantasy. Cause we both like to crack jokes the and have council fun. of pirates. That's right. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's awesome. I'll take that <laughs> all day. So, right here. Right. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> but I'm excited to be here in Paul Oswald podcast is always here to serve you. I'm going to be at the NFBC main event this weekend. So you can follow me on Twitter at MJ Govier. I'll be doing videos for sure. Maybe I'll try to do, I try to make a promise to my friend John L., who we all know, John Leguiza, who is a outstanding MLB Moving Averages fantasy connoisseur. He wanted more from my Tout Wars last weekend, and I didn't do any interviews. So I promised him that I would try to do interviews when I go to Vegas tomorrow. So when I'm in Vegas, I'll try to interview more fantasy and high-stakes players, maybe get some tidbits, and you can find all that at MJ Govier, and maybe we'll get to do a Palazzo Podcast episode while I'm there. But either way... Check out FTNFantasy.com in my weekly article, Grooving with Govier, which just dropped today. This week, I talked about my first Tot Wars experience in detail, plus some of the bids from the auction that we did, as well as some tidbits on some players that you might want to think about drafting this weekend. Lots of fun. Your Tot was, which one? Remind me again. 12-team head-to-head. And it's points. And the winner, it's funny, because the winner gets to choose the scoring system. Last year, Frank Stample won. Shocker! Frank chose the CBS point scoring system. <laughs> no so, <way. laughs> yeah, he's a back-to-back winner. He's really hogging that agenda. But that's fine. I'm ready to rock. I'd, I'm a points guy. I love head-to-head. So I'm looking forward to well, taking on Frank. And not would you out. change it, Govier, if you win this year? what What's it going to be next year if you win? That's a good question, actually. I, You know, I don't have a personal favorite point scoring system unless it's customized. And it looks like you have to choose a standard one. You can't just make up your own. So uh, I don't really know what I would do. I would do like you the have go VA scoring system would be amazing. I would love me, to I would that. love that. If I could do uh, that, Tot Wars, let me know, please. I would go just regular head-to-head five-by-five cats. I, I'm more yes. of a cats guy than a points guy. So I think so that, am I. that's what I would do. Yep. Yeah. I am too. Yep. So they let you choose within any point system you want, or you could make it roto, you could make it whatever you want. No, I believe it has to stay points. It's head-to-head points. I believe that's oh, correct. I don't oh. know if you could choose Any cats. I will double-check on that if I could. I yeah, I would choose Yahoo 5x5 cats. That's what I was born and raised on. Same. That's one of the things that drives me crazy in the industry is the lack of uniformity, whether it's points or you know just doing rankings this year for the first time. Part of me is kind of confused about what set of rankings to make. Should it be for Roto? Should it be for head-to-head points? There's underdog rankings. There's just so much... How do you guys, I know, Bog, when you do rankings, how do you handle that? Before we get going here, I'm just kind of curious. Do you do separate rankings for everything? How does that work? I make mine for categories. So, like, you know, there will be small adjustments to make if you're in Roto versus head-to-head. Mainly, it's injured guys, right? Like, you're more willing to take a Bryce Harper in a head-to-head league because, sure, you're going to miss half of his half of the year with him or whatever. Maybe not that, you know, according to the most recent uh, rumblings here. But you're going to miss a big chunk of the season with him, but he's going to be available for you there at the end. So in a head-to-head, I'd be more willing to take a guy that's a little banged up now versus in Roto. But for me, 
I basically do mine for categories for Roto. So I, I kind of make Roto my, because that's what most people play. I don't play as much Roto. Mo- most of my leagues are head-to-head uh, categories, but, you know, I make mine for Roto because that is basically the industry standard. That makes sense. Govia, you don't do actual, like, rankings, do you? Do you publish rankings? Oh, I sure do. I didn't mention it at all. I've had a Patreon for about a year for the Plotso podcast, just like in this league does. There's this massive, though. They you get back over 700 finally again or what? Yes, yes, we're right Woo! there. So it, it's funny. It only took us three years to get back there. Like, right before <laughs> yeah. the pandy, we were over 700. Then the pandy, we were celebrating, you know, in tuxedos and limos like the guys in uh, Always Sunny, you know, and then the pandy hit, of course. So we got, <laughs> it only took us three years, but back to where we started, so. We're there, yeah. It's uh, it, it's great, man. Patreon uh, helps us independent guys tremendously. You guys yeah. need to be checking those out in this league. Patreon, Palazzo Podcast, Patreon. If you guys are Patreon people in general, then those are two that you guys should definitely be looking at. Of course, on Twitter, at MJ Govier, at Bogman Sports. And you can find me at Joe Orico 99 if you guys want to keep up with what we got going on. ADP battles are something that I really enjoy. It's one of the pieces of content that I love. I, When I was putting this list together, I tried to look at more. We're doing based on Fantasy Pros ADP, but there are some of them that are you're not actually seeing those in a lot of different drafts. So I tried to pick two players here where your decision is actually coming down to them in your drafts roughly because you know two catchers can kind of mess up ADP and five outfielders. It, it, there's different leagues, whether it's NFBC or Yahoo. But what I tried to do here is pick two players who across the various formats are generally going in the same spot. We're going to start off behind the plate. We're going to try and do one of each position. There's a couple of extra ones in case we are going through these quickly. Uh, but let's start behind the plate and let's start with Alejandro Kirk and Wilson Contreras. Govier, where are you on this one right now? Alejandro Kirk or Wilson Contreras? They're both going just after pick 100 on average. I kept... Alejandro Kirk in my home league, which is five by five OBP instead of average head to head cats. Yahoo. That's my home league. And I kept Kirk. We had eight keepers this year. So I could have kept some other pitchers, possibly a Freddie Peralta. But as I think Bogba would probably appreciate, I prefer to keep more hitters in head to head cats than I do pitchers, especially if your rules like mine are more friendly to streaming and there's a smaller bench. And Kirk to me is a very, very unique talent. Now, there was a risk to him initially. I was really worried about the hips a couple years ago. He was so young. It's like, oh, hips issues. I know he's big. He was 5'8", 270, and it was like, oh, gosh, hips already? That is a red flag. But he impressed me so much last year with his consistency and catching when you can get a solid average and a guy who could hit for power, and he's at a lineup, and he's in a park in Toronto that has changed around with fence adjustments for 2023. I know Danny Jansen's there, and they brought in Dalton Varsho, but I'm taking Kirk here. I'm still confident that his bat wins out. The Jays are desperate to win, and whoever can help them win will get the playing time. Versus, again, Wilson Contreras is a guy who has a lot to offer in terms of open season as the catcher now of record in St. Louis, but I'm going to go Kirk by a nose. Bogman, you agree? We're splitting hairs here. I actually don't, which is funny because Alejandro Kirk, clearly my son, if you've seen the way (laughs) he's built and the way I am built, exactly the same. Uh, Totally my kid. Had no idea. Uh, But, uh, yeah, I I love shows you don't play favorites. That's impressive. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. I don't play favorites. Uh, But I think Contreras has a little more power. They're both projected on roster resource to hit five 
for these teams. Great lineups, uh, both of them. So we really are splitting hairs. I, I, I'm usually not taking a catcher here. Uh, I play in a lot of one catcher leagues. I don't like the two catcher leagues. Uh, I want as few catchers as possible. So um, I've been snapping up a lot of Sean Murphy late because he tends to be the guy that falls, uh, at least on Fantrax leagues and some Yahoo leagues. Also, uh, my boy Gabby Moreno in Arizona just got a boost with Carson Kelly having a fractured arm, and you might Wally Pip Carson Kelly out of a job if he plays well to start. So I'm usually taking my catchers there, but if I'm picking between these these two guys, I'm taking the power. I think Wilson Contreras has more of it. Just slightly, you're going to get more batting average from Kirk. Uh, these guys can both be conditional guys based on what you've already drafted at this point. But for me, in most scenarios, it's going to be Wilson Contreras just by nose. And I do have them right next to each other in my catcher rankings. Two L's, just like Palazzo Podcast. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. Easy plug there for Palazzo. For me, I had Kirk ahead. And then with the delay in him getting going in spring, it's not a huge concern, but I think we might see him struggle out of the gate for the first week or two. Perhaps I've changed my tune a little bit and I am now going Contreras. But again, like like Bogman said, like you guys both said, it's very, very close. Don't think you can go wrong either way, really. Like you said, a little bit better average with Kirk. Contreras, probably more homers. Everything else, probably going to be a wash, both in great lineups, both in the middle of them. Neither is going to steal for you it's honestly it's a toss-up they're they're so close that's why they are here together and i'm glad we got a little bit of disagreement on the first one hopefully we get uh, more disagreement as we keep going along here next up at first base the old dog versus the young one jose abreu and Vinny pasquantino bogman we'll start with you are you trusting the 35 year old abreu or the young guy in uh, in Vinny p Give me the crusty old vet. Give me Jose Abreu dropped in the middle of that Astros lineup. Uh, I, I don't think we're going to see another 15 homer season from him. I think he's going to be uh, into the 20s this season. And he's got great guys hitting in front of him. Great guys hitting behind him in this lineup. Chicago is great too. Uh, but you got the short porch and the Crawford, Crawford boxes in Houston as well for Jose Abreu to add a little pop. Uh, I love Vinny P. Um, and I do think that Vinny P for sure has a higher ceiling than Abreu at 35, like you said. Uh, but at this point in the draft, I've usually taken some risk pretty high, so I want those crusty old vets a little bit later, and uh, I will take Abreu in this grouping of first baseman here. Go, V.A. Ooh, looks like we got ourselves some controversy here, folks. You know, it's year two, Joe. I'm so thrilled for you. This is great. Last year, you came on the scene, and now you're building a show that is bigger and better than before. And much like your show, Joe, Italian Breakfast is doing the same thing. You got a little taste <laughs> last year, a tiny taste, and now he's going to take that next step and unleash the fury, if you will, Tom Green style. Shout out to Canada. I got to say that Jose Abreu has always been a dude that I have never drafted. Bogman, I've never drafted Abreu. I just... Wow. Right even after his WBC debut, way back in <laughs> no, the day for Cuba. No, okay, okay, oh, maybe I'm willing to grant you that the memory fades, and it's possible maybe I did draft him once in the very early days. I'll, I'll grant you that, but other than that, he's consistently a guy that I go against other analysts when it comes to his name. Jose Abreu is a very solid veteran player. Houston, very exciting. Everything you said makes sense to me. It does. And then the other thing here. With all these ADP battles, 
Unfortunately, I hate to bring it up, but who knows what kind of baseball we'll have this year? Who knows? I mean, that's last true. year, clearly, yeah, that's a real thing. It is, and I hate to be a buzzkill with that, but I don't know how you can ignore that piece of information. Maybe it'll be more bouncy and juicy. Maybe it could go back to 2019 levels. I don't think it will. I do think that Vinny P is the guy that will provide you a probably a slightly better average, but that could be tight. And the power, I think, will be better than a Preu. Now, I like this Royals lineup a lot because there's some other young studs that are in the mix, and it's a little bit underrated. They're going to suck in terms of record. The Royals will not be good. But there's so much talent with Bobby Witt and Melendez and the old pro Sal Perez and so on. There's enough guys in that lineup with Edward Olivares and so on to score runs, drive in runs, and I think Vinny P is going to be ready to rock. And I do like Vinny P much, much more in OBP leagues as well. I'm very close on them. I have Abreu slightly higher, and it's mostly just coming down to the lineup. I think that that's what it is. Even though the Astros got worse with uh, losing Jose Altuve for the first couple of months of the season, I, I don't trust the periphery backup kind of, I don't know, no-name fantasy players that Kansas City has to go along with Melendez and Witt and Sal Perez. I don't know if those other guys are going to be rounding out a fully formed lineup where we're going to see a lot of counting stats out of Vinny P. I think the home runs will be there. I think the batting average will be there. But I think I think I'm still on Camp Abreu. And it is very close. Like 36, by the way, for, for Abreu. And uh, I'll just say this. Last year, ISO 143, career 215. I think that's coming up for Abreu in Houston. Yeah. So The RBI should definitely be coming back, I think. Anyway, I think the batting average will be strong enough. It really just comes down to the lineup for me. That, that's that's the main differentiator there. I think they're both going to be top 100 players easily, um, but that, that's pretty much the only, the only gripe that I have with Vinny P. Let's just say, hypothetically, Vinny was on the Astros and Abreu was on Kansas City. Would that change your guys' opinions anyway? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it would. If if you switch teams for these guys, it absolutely would change my opinion on them. So uh, it would. And, you know, what Govier said is absolutely true. There's enough guys to make this lineup viable in Kansas City. The The only thing is, to me, is that we've seen it from Houston before, just won the World Series, the lineup is great. There are a proven team. Kansas City is not. You know, very good lineup. They could be great, but Houston is great. We know it. So I'll take the the guarantee for Houston. That's all. They are my two most rostered first basemen. I love them both. But uh, go, go yeah, be able to cut you off there. Well, Vinny P just makes such great contact. I want to even push further for this. If they switch roles, I'd be even happier for Vinny P. Would take him in Houston even more. But either way, Vinny P is so impressive in the minors. And then he backed it up in a shorter sample size, but still big enough with really eye-popping numbers related to his K rate and his power that makes you go, wow. I am 28 down homers with last year between uh, both levels. So triple there you go. And, and the yeah. So he's not terrible. He's not terrible. Yeah. Yeah. These are all, these are all real close. Uh, so there's no, there's not a really a right answer here uh, today. There will be at the end of the year, but uh, not a right <laughs> answer today. So look, you got to love a guy who walks more than he strikes out. And that is who Vinny P is looking like he is going to be in the major leagues to go along with good power. Hopefully they keep adding pieces to that lineup and we can just see those counted stats continue to build and build year after year. Uh, moving on to second base, Andres Jimenez and Tommy Edmond, they're both going round pick 75 to 85 kind of range. They both got second and short eligibility. 
Who's up here? Whose turn was it? I think it was Bogman's turn. Gobi's turn. Gobi's turn. I wish it was Bogman's turn. I, <laughs> yeah. This is tough. I want to be clear. Last year, Jimenez was, I think, overwhelmingly my most drafted player. You know, the player shares they show on the NFB oh, website. Yeah. It was like 85%. And I was getting him, though, around ADP 240-ish last year. 220, 240. This year, it's come way up. And... I don't have a good answer for either one of these guys because I've never been a Tommy Edmond guy. I love Jimenez, but now he's skyrocketed. So I guess maybe by default here, I will roll with Jimenez, but I don't feel good about it. This is a very, very uh, not-me ADP battle, uh, one that I would refuse entirely if I had to draft because I don't want to deal with either one of these. There's guys I like way later that I would rather wait, like Bogman said, with catcher. So... I'll go Jimenez by technicality here, but I will say for the record, I am not interested really in drafting either one of these two at their current price. I got to agree with that. Uh, I, I I haven't rostered either one of these guys. Sometimes Jimenez has slipped, at least early when uh, the Welsh and I were doing mocks. Edmund had already been gone, so uh, Jimenez had slipped, and I would take him in those spots, but uh, I don't have any Edmund, but I would, like, splitting these two guys, I would take Edmund because Back-to-back 30-steal seasons, you know, more of a proven thing. I do think Jimenez has got a little more pop, but the stolen bases are harder to come by, even with the new rules. And I don't think uh, we are going to get a stolen base explosion this year, of course, but I don't think it's going to be double like John Smoltz said of the World Baseball Classic (laughs) or anything like it has been in spring because you have these pitchers all adjusting to all the new rules at once, right? So, of course, they're not paying as much attention to the guy on base because they're dealing with his new pitch clock rules. Once they get used to that, they'll have a better process of looking at the guy uh, on first and adjusting. And, and, you know, the further we go into the season, I think the stolen bases tick down a little bit more because analytics still say it's not worth it to try and go and steal. So uh, with all that being said, slightly Edmund, uh, the XBA last year for these guys was exactly the same. Uh, even though Edmund was bad and Jimenez was good. So that should become a little closer. Like I said, I think we get a little more speed from Edmund, a little more power from Jimenez. I'll take the speed in this one. Also, Edmund hitting at the very top of that Cardinals lineup is a very, very good place to be. So Edmund just slightly for me. I think we're at the point with John Smoltz where if he says something, we kind of have to just do the opposite uh, at this point. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I love them. I loved them as a pitcher, but my God, some of the takes. Oh, it's not just him. Well, I should Better than Russo. Now. So that, that's Lansing's finest Lansing finest has gone south. That's real sad. <laughs> Some takes we've seen around the WBC have been curious, interesting uh, to say the least <laughs> with Tommy Edmond. The thing that drove me crazy last year was that they would put him down the bottom of the order sometimes. And it was, he was still you know very good at the bottom of the order. I think his batting average was actually higher when he was down there. I just hate the, I guess the unknown of if he's going to be leading off, if he's going to be batting seventh or ninth. That being said, I think I'll still take the you know more sure thing in terms of stolen bases in a great lineup. And Cleveland still has a very, very good lineup. Even though they've put it together for you know a couple hundred thousand dollars, they have a great little lineup there. <laughs> Jimenez will be batting probably fifth or sixth. There should be decent RBI opportunities. He showed pop last year. Now, when I did uh, Guardians preview with Dave McDonald, he was not a fan of Jimenez at all. He thinks the batting wow. average is going to come shooting down. Doesn't think the steals are going to be there. I think uh, he ripped me though. He ripped me. Let me say that last year at the main event, I was asking around like a 
curious, innocent little boy. Hey, what do you guys think about Jimenez? You guys live in Cleveland. I bunked with them last year with Dave and his Cleveland crew, and I was really thinking strongly about drafting Jimenez, and they were like, oh, he's no, he's trash. He's overrated. He's not going to be anything. And I said, screw those guys. I'm taking Jimenez, and it worked out. So don't be dismissed by Dave McDonald and the evil people in Cleveland. From the Tigers guy. Right, yeah. <laughs> I just got to get that on the record. Stick to your guns. But, yes, it's possible he regresses. I actually agree with Dave a little bit there, but just a little lesson for everybody. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think the batting average probably comes down a little bit. Again, I pick guys that are very close. So these are all going to be kind of close. I think I would slightly lean Edmund, but it's uh, take your pick, really. But I think conditional I agree. drafting, too. I mean, I think that's the big thing to take away from when you're talking about splitting hairs on players is what do I already have on my team? Yeah. Do I already have stolen bases? Then I'll take the power with Jimenez. Do I already have power? Then give me the speed with Edmund. So conditional drafting is huge uh, while you're in there doing it. So let me ask you guys something with the recent losses at second base. Does that make you want to be taking these guys a little bit earlier than you normally would? Nope. No. Nope. Yeah, not really. No, I have a huge, huge respect for second base. Forget the losses. I think second base is super deep this year. In fact, I have waited to draft my starter post 100, post 120 easily. And I'm still going to do that, and I'm not changing. Give me Thyro, and he's like 160. So Mm. Give me Jonathan India all day long, every day. That's who I want. Yeah, Yeah. I'm buying him Mm -hmm. up and buying back into Brandon Lau. Uh, there yes. are some there are yeah, there you go. later on. Too. Absolutely. And, he just, and he just had a kid, too. So there's sometimes a little bit of uh, extra magic that comes out with new parents <laughs> in sports. Never never know. Uh, we might I didn't know that, Joe. That's news to you. Wow. And Colton Long's like way down there, and he's going to be leading off for a really good lineup. So yeah. You know, yeah. there's a lot of options at second base. I'm not worried. When I initially started you know, my offseason prep, my initial thinking was second base was going to be the most scarce position. I think it's actually third. Third. Uh, I think I think it is third, and that works as a segue here into, I think, one of the more interesting player debates that we're going to be doing today because this is a, a debate I've had a lot in my own drafts, and that is Austin Riley or Raphael Devers. I've been typically leaning Riley because I trust the lineup better, and I think the stats are going to be fairly similar. Where are you guys thinking this? Because I, I honestly... I think you can flip a coin here, and it really depends on preference. But where, where do you guys stand right now on Raphael Devers versus Austin Riley? I think it's my turn, huh? Yeah, Roger. don't like this one, Govier. But uh, <laughs> for me, um, it's Devers, uh, and it's just teeny tiny slightly. Uh, I think what you said could absolutely come true. I mean, uh, the lineup is better in Atlanta, and Riley has more power for sure. For me and the way I draft and knowing my tendencies, I like to take power late. When you're getting late power, you're getting bad batting average. So if I draft Devers up here, it gives me a little more wiggle room later in the draft to take some power with some bad batting average. So that's what I like to do. Uh, If I'm splitting hairs between these guys, I will take Devers. But, I mean, if you take Riley, I have no issue. This is probably the truest coin flip of all the player debates that you picked here, Joe. Yeah, I think so as well. Kobe. Last three full seasons for Devers, at least a 132 WRC plus. I mean, that's money. That's fantastic. And then Riley has taken off in the last two seasons. And really, I didn't want to draft him last year, but drafting Riley in two different drafts, Helped me win the league outright. I took him around, I think, pick 52-ish last season. And that 
paid huge dividends because the return on Riley was outstanding. He backed up everything he did the year before, and this is who he is. There was a high prospect pedigree on Riley. We all know that, and he's cashed in and then some. So when you look at Devers getting a brand new deal, he's got security now. He can settle in in Boston. Is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? I don't know Raphael Devers personally, so I cannot comment. It would be... <laughs> It would be ridiculous for me to try to do so. So if you look at the stats, you look at where they are, I think I I hate to do it. I mean, we want to make an entertaining show here for Joe, but I have to basically agree with what Bogman said. There's not a huge difference here. Although the only other thing I would disagree with that Bogman said was that this year, you know, I don't know if power late is available like it was in years past because everybody seems to be pushing power up this season, but that's like a whole nother debate. So I think this one's very tight there i mean of, of all the ones you said bogman it, it's i think this is the true coin flip the projections are almost exactly the same if you look at atc they're within two home runs they're within two rbis they're within seven batting average points of each other it really does come down to your own personal preferences i think i I'm, i've gone riley when the decision has come up in, in my drafts just because i think there's a little more security in terms of your runs and rbis but Devers still it could be somebody that ends up as an American League MVP. I don't think anybody would be surprised if that is something that uh, he is capable of. And I don't know if Riley quite has the same ceiling in and of himself when you're just excluding the, the team context. I think Devers is a better player, but it is it is very, very close. And I think this next one for me as well, I mean, I do have a preference on them, but I think they are pretty close here. O'Neill Cruz and Xander Bogarts as we move into shortstop. The young guy or the old guy, once again, I believe we are back to Govier here. Oh, Neil Cruz is a guy I've drafted a few times that have really warmed up to this season. I will mention, by the way, third base, real quick. If you don't get one of those two guys, then you're really going to be in a different situation. So I think the key is not so much the disagreement between Devers and Riley, but if you miss both of those guys, third base drops off. So think about that. Get one of those two. Yeah, Yeah, big time. So... O'Neill Cruz has really got me fired up. I wasn't big on him last year. All the hype, you know, the hardest thrown ball ever, hitting the hardest hits last year. <laughs> Statcast darling, O'Neill Cruz versus Andrew Bogarts. So just, you know, plods along, does what he does. Now he signs a huge deal. He's in San Diego. Great lineup. A team that has so much talent and really is an afterthought in a very strange way. That's such a strange thing for a guy who... Bogarts was supposed to be like the dude in Boston. He never quite became that. So in 2023, I'm taking the risk on Cruz popping. And I know that's not what everybody likes to do, but I think it looks like he really will be at the top of that lineup or at the upper end of that terrible Pittsburgh lineup. I know the rest of the lineup is not exciting in Pittsburgh, but there's a few pieces in there I think that are underappreciated. So in the end, lineup goes to San Diego with Bogarts. But the player and the possible ceiling, which is not how I always draft, but in this case, O'Neal Cruz's ceiling is so tempting enough for me that I'm going to take Cruz over Bogarts. Same, uh, and it's not particularly close to me. Uh, I am also going with O'Neal Cruz. Uh, I, I I like Xander Bogarts a lot, but we saw the power turn down. We've seen no stolen bases from him. He's going to a new league. He's going to be starting games two hours, three hours later than he's used to uh, on the West Coast versus the East Coast. Also a different league. We've seen guys change leagues and struggle out the gate, adjusting to the new pitchers that they haven't seen for a while. Um, You know, so 
for me, give me the upside and the rocket ship that's O'Neill Cruz. Now, I'm not like going to stack. I'm not going to take Bobby Witt and O'Neill Cruz. You know what I mean? I'm not going <laughs> to like take all the risk I possibly can. But if I'm going pretty safe, which I lean more towards a safe player than a high ceiling, low floor player in most uh, scenarios. But in this one, I, the upside is just too big. I know what I'm getting from Bogarts. It's fine. And it's good. He's not going to hurt me, but I, he he is not the guy that I'm taking my giant swing on. I'm taking my swing on O'Neill Cruz because that if he pays out, he could definitely be a, a league winner. So give me O'Neill Cruz. Not very close in this one. Classic upside uh, versus the floor argument. Now, O'Neill Cruz, what surprised me last year, looking back on his numbers this offseason, he played 87 games in the major league level. He had 54 RBIs and 45 runs. It's not what you would expect from that Pirates lineup. Now, and you can't necessarily do this, but you want to prorate that over a whole season. That's essentially half a year. You're talking 90 runs, 100 RBIs. I don't think he's going to do that, but it definitely goes to show that maybe there are going to be more opportunities for him to drive people in and get driven in himself in that lineup than you might just assume thinking of oh, Pittsburgh. You know, He's going to have 45 RBIs if he hits 25 home runs. <laughs> it, might not, it might not be that bad. And I, I would tend to agree, uh, not to take away the drama here, but I'm also going uh, O'Neill Cruz. I've drafted both of them. I think I've drafted at least one share of everybody we've talked about today. So it is kind of interesting uh, yeah. just going back over my own process here. Seven game series. Who wins? The A's or Pirates? <laughs> the World Series no one ever wants to see. I think the A's do. I think their pitching just gets them by and I Classic Game 7 showdown. Big Ken Waldachuk fan over here. I see. I like that. Uh, Fujinami. Fujinami. Yeah, yeah, that's Fujinami. A that's a good yeah. signing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I think I, I might take the Pirates, but the pitching is rough over there. So. I think I would <laughs> probably take the Pirates. Well, hey, Mitch Keller is going to win the Cy Young this year. Haven't you heard? So maybe they got better is pitching. Is that right? Okay. I, had no <laughs> I have not. I heard that uh, last year, the year before that, every. Yeah, yeah. I've heard that many <laughs> times. Oh, I'm just playing. I'm just playing. There are uh, only six guys last year that won half of their quality starts that had 10 quality starts or more. And Mitch Keller's on that list. So not a surprise. Play for the Pirates. <laughs> oh, my God. Got to love the Pirates. I do love O'Neill Cruz, though. I think he was uh, cl the clear winner, the unanimous winner in that one versus Xander Bogarts. Moving to the outfield. This one, I think, is very interesting. Totally different players. Kyle Schwarber versus Lou Bob, Luis, Robert. Obviously, you're getting massive power with a lower average from Schwarber. You're getting the potential for a five-category first-round stud in Lou Bob if he could ever stay healthy. The question is, who are we going with? Are we back to Govia here? I keep losing track of who the hell we're I think we're it's on. me back this to time. But, but uh, the answer for me is neither. I don't want, uh, honestly, either one of these guys... Uh, if, if I'm staying true to how I draft, I have been skipping outfield in this spot, but this is exactly what you said, Joe. It is the injury risk for Lou Bob who has not stayed healthy yet versus the absolute tank of batting average for Kyle Schwarber, right? Uh, the XBA was better for Schwarber than he hit last year, but I mean, you could probably rinse and repeat and that, that has been the way it is for him, his entire career, um, tons of power. One of a very few guys in the league that could probably hit 50 homers is Kyle Schwarber. The, the thing for me is, do we trust Kyle Schwarber to steal 10 bases again? He had 12 in his career coming into last year. And I know stolen bases are easier to come by, right? But so no, you know, not as many stolen bases. Let's give him five, right? And uh, the batting average, same around 220. I mean, Joey Gallo with more power. Uh, I, I just, I don't want Kyle Schwarber that much. So 
I'll take Lou Bob here um, because, like you said, five category guy. If 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 he can stay healthy, um, but my real answer is I'm probably skipping both these guys, taking Corbin Carroll a round or two later. So, mm-hmm. what about you, Govia? Well, Joe, I guess I like to take these high ceiling guys more than I realize because. Yeah, I said Cruz, and now I'm saying Lou Bob all day. Robert has <laughs> been a guy that I aggressively drafted right out the gate in my first couple of drafts during the draft season. That would be TGFBI and uh, Glarf, I think, which is part of Earth, which is a fun, gigantic league that has a bunch of leagues from across North America. Very cool. A lot of people in that. But Lou Bob is my guy. I don't do the Swarber thing. I never have. Obviously, he rubbed it in my face last year with the power. That is something he has. Yes, he does. Kyle Schwarber can hit bombs, and he will hit bombs. And he might steal more bases this year. That'll be fun. And people who are smarter than me, or at least think they are, in the public analysis game, (laughs) they are talking up Schwarber, and they're like, you got to get Schwarber. They're all locked in. These are high-stakes players, guys that are spending a lot of money to try to win fantasy leagues. So maybe I'm missing something, but... I just think sooner or later, it's got to work out. And the main reason this is really going to turn off probably a lot of you, if you're especially if you're data freaks, but I'm going big on Luis Robert this year because of the post-TLR effect. No more Tony La Russa in Chicago is going to open the fantasy floodgates on the south side of Chicago. I have a lot of White Sox that I am bullish on in 2023 because Tony La Russa is finally gone. There's a burden that was hanging over there. That much is real. I'm pretty confident we do know that to be true. How much it'll impact an improvement in play, you could debate that with me, but... I'm ready to ride with Robert. He's been a second pick of mine, easy, third pick at worst in a couple drafts, and I'm very, very excited to see Luis Robert finally at full bore in 2023. I'm really hoping we get 100, even 120 games out of him, 130. Like, If he played an entire season, he would be in the running for number one overall player in fantasy. I think, one yeah. more less than 100 game season, though, and he's Byron Buxton. Like, yeah. like I was he, just going to say. That, that's where we are with him. He is definitely, he's on the seesaw. It's either you're going to be a top two round guy or you're going to be thought about after round 10. That's the next step in the Robert legacy. You're absolutely right about that. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'd probably take Schwarber just because he's a little bit safer. If I can build a stronger base of batting average in the first couple of rounds and then, I don't know. Better get Devers. That that 220 (laughs) is going to kill you. I mean, if you're in an OBP league, then Schwarber, I think, is is the clear winner. Well, yeah. But. In your standard leagues, uh, I still think I slightly lean Schwarber. You guys must have seen that at bat last night. With uh, I mean, of everybody's course. talking about Otani mm-hmm. and Trout, but the Schwarber and Darvish at bat was just as good. I well, thought. I mean, he almost hit three home runs <laughs> in that at bat. I mean, he hit two screaming down the line that were just fouls. So, yeah, I mean, Schwarber's got all the power in the world, uh, you know, but it's, it's that batting average that kills you, and I don't believe in the stolen bases. Like, maybe, yeah. maybe this is something Philly does, and – I, I didn't go through the numbers and see how many uh, double seals he's on the back end of. Uh, I got to <laughs> guess at least a couple of those. I mean, seriously, 12 coming into last year and then 10 yeah. last year. So I, I'm assuming that's part of it. And that could get better with Trey Turner in that lineup too. But I just don't believe in the steals. The batting average has never been there. Give me Lou Bob. Now, and, I, and I'm a risk-averse guy when it comes to injury. I do not like injured players, especially going into the year. But uh, yeah, I'd still take Lou Bob. I think that maybe he gets a little bit of a boost in batting average with the shift restrictions now. Maybe a little bit, but I still don't think we're going to get 
anything over maybe 240 absolute best case scenario even that might be pushing it a little bit so again yeah. totally different players depends on how you build out your rosters I think I'm probably in the Schwarber camp just because I don't like to take many risks. I say that as I took Jacob deGrom in the second round of my home league yesterday. Uh, but still, I would probably slightly lean uh, slightly lean to Kyle Schwarber. But like I said, if Lou Bob pans out, then you're, you're laughing there uh, in the third round, ADP around 45. Let's go to the bullpen and talk about a couple of closers, Rizel Iglesias and Ryan Helsley. I don't even know how to feel about this one. They're right beside each other in my own rankings. I guess I'm slightly bigger on, on Rizal Iglesias. But what are your thoughts, guys? Who are we taking here? Well, it's my turn. It's real simple because it's so easy for me. It's Helsley all day. I am concerned that Rizal Iglesias may end up even losing that job this year. And I can't prove that. But my gut is telling me Atlanta is loaded with bullpen arms. And A.J. Minter is getting better and better. I'm not saying he usurps him. But I guess I am. I guess I'm saying that. That could possibly happen this year. And I feel much more confident in Helsley. He throws such electric stuff. I know people say he throws so hard, his arm's going to fall off, he won't last. Yeah, he doesn't have to last. He only has to pitch one inning. He doesn't have to pitch. He's in the bullpen. Right. Yes, exactly. So that kind of nullifies that. I'm not worried about that. Give me one inning of a beautiful K-9 rate, get the save, and get out of here. I love Helsley this year. In fact... I'm going to wait on him more often than not to be my number one closer in drafts. And he's going behind not only Iglesias, but some of the other studs like Hader, who, I mean, I look what Helsley and Hader did last year. I'm like, why would you be so gung-ho about Hader this year all of a sudden? I am pro Helsley all the way. I really used to love Rizal Iglesias. I remember when he came up and he was a red, he was a starter, and I thought he was going to be studly. That didn't quite pan out. I used to love Rizal Iglesias' breaking stuff. He was so nasty, and he's still a good pitcher. He is, but for me, I just have a better sense of trust that Helsley will be the guy that can dominate and get you more saves and have less of a threat of losing his job. I, I just feel like there's a worry there for Atlanta with so many bullpen arms that some other guys could slide in if Iglesias falters. That's my concern. Does uh, Giovanni Gallegos worry you at all there? About no. Taking that? No. No, he doesn't. Not at all. No. Bogman, what are your thoughts here? It's Helsley for me. I have him one spot ahead of Iglesias. So I'm not as adamant as Govier about this one, but I mean, every metric that you look at from last year, from stat cast to actual stats, uh, Helsley was just a tick better. You know, and this was getting the job halfway through the year. So uh, both these guys set out at the front, uh, like, uh, you know, like Govier said, I'm not really worried about Gallegos. Gallegos has had his shot and it didn't work out for him. So Helsley got it last year. He won it. He has it right now. All the underlying stats are in his favor as well. What about Jordan um, Hicks? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Jordan <laughs> Hicks, you know, if you think Lou Bob can't stay healthy. Uh, you know, go take a look at Jordan Hicks. Yeah. And if you want an example of a guy that throws so hard that his arm falls off, that's also <laughs> Jordan. Hicks. That's the real one. So, uh, I, I mean, uh, yeah, I, w- with this one, look, the, the Braves are, you know, if you're just looking at win totals, they're expected to win 95 and a half games, even in a tough division that, which would be six more than the Cardinals. So I get it. There could be more opportunities for Iglesias, but I am less confident in him keeping the job all year. Um, you know, look, Helsley has to do it. If he falters, they have no issue going with Gallegos. So I think these guys carry close to the same risk, but for me, 
give me Helsley because all the underlying stuff is better. He has the role. They're not taking away from him to start. So give me Helsley. And you could say that about anyone in the bullpen at any point could could uh, be run right out of that job if they start to suck. So, yeah, for me, give me Helsley. Yeah, totally fair. I'm slightly in the Iglesias camp. I feel like what Helsley did last year was incredible, but maybe a little bit unsustainable in terms of how low the ratios were. The strikeout rates were incredible. Like, it was just incredible, and I don't know if it's repeatable to the same extent where he might be disappointed a little bit in what he does. Even if he's great, even if he gives you a 2-7 ERA and 25 saves, I think we it's might like be- when a magician does a magic trick, Joe, and you, you're squinting at him and you go, do it again. <laughs> yeah, that that that's kind of what you're doing to Helsley. You're like, eh, do that one more time. Let me see it one more time before I believe it it actually happened. So yeah, that's I'm totally fair. I mean, if he does it again, it. if he does it again this year, then you have to you know you put him in the same group as Emmanuel Class A almost, and they're talking very similar you know ratios and strikeout rates and everything. I think Helsley might even have a better strikeout rate. It's if he does it again, then we're going to be putting you might him up get that after Iglesias too. Right now, yeah. today you might get that after Iglesias. So you know what? Not bad to double up on those guys, uh, especially mm-hmm. with catchers going down. And I thought Govier, we were going to get. So I'm like, oh, this guy has announced the closer and this guy has announced the closer. We ain't got crap. We've got nothing (laughs) from these managers. Yeah, we're going to use a bunch of guys. Uh, That's pretty much what everybody has said. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why it's so hard. Maybe they just don't feel the need to tell anybody. They don't. They obviously don't care about fantasy players and podcasters, and they just will take their time with it. No need to rush. And then not. I guess I'm trying to think about from their perspective. I'd like to know personally if it's going to be David Robertson or Adovino or what's going to happen there and a bunch of other situations. Uh, but we we just don't really know. That being said, I think Iglesias and Helsley are fairly secure in their jobs. At least I know we talked about there is some risk, but I think in general, when you're looking at the whole closer pool, they are two of the safer options uh, that you're going to be looking at here, I think. Give me this year's Daniel Bard. <laughs> Daniel Bard had 34 saves for a team that won 68 games. Yeah, that's a myth. You can get saves on bad teams, folks. I've always said that. It's true. You just look it up. Yeah, you can. It might be a little more difficult to nail down where it's going to be, but if you find it, if you find one of those guys, and it might be like a a Trevor May this year or something. Oh, Alexis Diaz is going to be that guy. He's going to be really electric for the Reds this year. They're not going to win a lot of games, but he could still get plenty of saves. I love Diaz this year. You could throw the Reds in that World Series with the Pirates and the A's with that lineup. (laughs) (laughs) Alternate World Series, Reds and Tigers. Oh. Yeah, man, that would be a doozy. I would love to see that. That would be We're a gonna classic. We're going to kill one of the universes in the multiverse. That's the one. Oh, no, it would be so good that they'd extend it to the old school World Series of nine games like they did with the Black Sox back in 2019. It's going to be that good. It's going to be that amazing. Oh, God. Oh, 1919. Man. If every game is yeah. a great American ballpark and we're seeing 12 to 11 scores, then maybe people will be interested. Um, but that that's pretty funny, guys. Let's talk starting pitching. This one for me. I like this one a lot. I think it's a very safe option with a very not safe option. Mr. Aaron Nola and Mr. Jacob DeGrom. Personally, I think you could flip a coin here. I think if you have multiple leagues, you can diversify and go a couple shares of one, couple shares of the other. What are your thoughts here? I think I, I honestly, I don't know what's wrong with me today. I can't keep track of whose turn it is. Bogman, is it you? Yeah, I think it's me. Uh, give me DeGrom. Give me the upside. This guy has potential to be the number one player if he throws enough innings in baseball. I, I like Aaron Nola a lot. He's a top 10 starting pitcher, no doubt. Uh, he's excellent. But for me, give me DeGrom. Give me that upside potential for, you know, he's healthy right now. And, and that's and that's what, you know, 
what I say when everyone's looking at these spring training reports and all that stuff is like, ah, well, maybe spring training doesn't matter as much. Blah, blah, blah. Well, how about let's just look good. Let's just look good in spring training. It's always better to look good than to look bad, right? So he looks good. He's healthy. He's out there in, in Cactus League. Uh, looks like he's got himself a catcher in Mitch Garver. So let's go. Uh, let's get him out there. And I'm excited for him. Best pitcher in baseball, no doubt when he's healthy. He's healthy right now, so he's probably the best pitcher in baseball. So give me DeGrom. Hardest player for me to rank this year. Govier, what are your thoughts here? Properly stated, Joe, by <laughs> Mr. Bogman. I've never been a DeGrom guy. I've always feared him. I rarely was willing to pay the draft price to get him because it's always been so high. But in this situation, and actually in a draft I did last night. Was that last night? Yeah, there was, I get thrown in these mock drafts in these leagues by FTM. They're like, hey, why don't you do this one? I'm like, okay, cool, I'll be there. And I thought it was a mock draft, but then it ends up it's going to be a league. So now we got to play it out. And I was like, oh, well, if I'd known that, I might have, you know, done things a little differently. But I did draft DeGrom last night as my number one starting pitcher. So I guess I got to trust in what I did and believe that, yes, he's healthy. So if he's healthy right now, and it's such a tantalizing opportunity, it's also a fresh approach. I mean, for everything you said about Bogarts, Bogman, about, yeah, it could be a trouble, a new league, West Coast, time change. You know, you got a new league for DeGrom. But it, some reason, it seems like pitchers have the advantage in new leagues to me. Like, they show up, and it's well, like, yeah. I know that. Yeah, right? I mean. They always have the advantage. You know, that's why a guy that hits the ball 30% is amazing. So the pitchers always have the advantage. It doesn't really matter where they're at. Uh, ballpark matters. But other than that, uh, and Texas is pretty cavernous. So uh, we yeah. like that for DeGrom. It's a great pitcher's park, Globe Life Park. So I'm all for DeGrom here. Nola's solid. He he really was almost kind of outside of the ace loop a couple years ago. Looked like he would never put it together. But he's found this consistency. And now they're a true, legit World Series contender, even with Bryce Harper out. I respect Nola. I love that he can keep the walks down and strike out a lot of guys and he can go get me quality starts. That's good news. It doesn't look like his ballpark is such a negative for him anymore. I used to worry about that. Philadelphia, Citizens Bank, or whatever the hell they call it now in Philly. So tiny I'm, ballpark in Philly. Right. That tiny place there where they play in the brotherly love town. I <laughs> am more interested in DeGrom, and I'm willing to roll the dice once again. I cannot believe I've said this like three times today in this show. Uh, maybe I don't know myself as much as I thought I did, but give me DeGrom. My answer depends on league format. If you're in a shallower league, it's DeGrom every day. If it's in a 10 or a 12-team league, that's my home league is a 12-team head-to-head categories. I took DeGrom end of the second round. Um, if you're talking like a 15-team, no IL league, I think I'd go NOLA, though. Like if you're talking NFC. That's what sunk me in, uh, in TARF last year was I took DeGrom in the second round. And my first pitcher, and, you know, Obviously didn't pitch a big chunk of the year. So that completely sunk me, uh, but uh, in a bigger league. So I understand what you're talking about. If, if you have, if you have replacement value, IL spots way more favor of DeGrom. Uh, but, but uh, I, I'm taking him anyway uh, between these two guys. Cause he's healthy now last year. He was not healthy going into the season. So he's healthy now. We like that. It's a point that I've heard brought up a few times uh, this off season. I think it was Eno. Maybe I can't remember who it was about how bad we are at predicting pitcher injuries and we say you know this guy has more risk that guy has less risk at the end of the day do we really know what we're talking about in terms of that we'd like to think we do but if we did then pitchers wouldn't get hurt and pitchers still get hurt they're all gonna tear their arm off at some point that's yeah. what you gotta you gotta go in with that mindset like you know you, you are taking a risk so uh well, that's why i don't 
tend to draft pitchers in the first round. Uh, they're way riskier than hitters in terms of injury. Yeah. We had three straight years of 200 innings from 2017 through 2019, 200 innings plus, and then he hasn't been able to crack 100 innings since. Yep. It's, it's tricky. Now, I did a show last year. I forget who it was with. Actually, you know what? I think it might have been with the guy we were talking about before the show, Spore, and uh, that would be Paul Spore. And we were talking about DeGrom, and this was in the 2021 season. He spotted Kevin Gosman and Julio Urias 100 innings apiece, and he finished right between them on the player Raider. He was right there. And he was 100 innings shy of them. So even if the Grom goes out there and gives you 110 innings, 120 innings, maybe you're getting another 80 or so off the waiver wire. That's still like a top 50 player at worst put together there at worst. Uh, more yeah. willing to take the Grom in a roto than a head to head in terms of injury stuff too. kind of the opposite of Harper, yeah. because I know whatever I get in the beginning stays with me the whole year versus head to head. If he falls off now, you don't have your best pitcher. There. That's so more willing. To great point. Though. Great point. Yep. Yep. That is absolutely the case. Uh, we got a few minutes. We can maybe squeeze in one or two more here. Let's go back to the outfield and go George Springer and Teoscar Hernandez, the old teammates. They're going right neck and neck with each other. Round pick 65, 66. What are we thinking here, guys? I mean, there's more injury risk with George Springer because of the way he plays the game. Teo is coming off of a bit of a down year. Uh, are we are we back to Govier now? I don't know what's wrong yeah, with Govier. I cannot keep it straight in my head. It. It's been a busy day. It. Apologies there, guys. Uh, <laughs> you don't have to do anything. We got to cover it, man. So you just sit back, <laughs> relax, you know, take a nap. Get some shut-eye, man. You got to take care of your body. <laughs> sleep is important. You know, LeBron has lasted 20 seasons because he sleeps. He knows that sleep matters. For me, you know what matters? A guy who can stay on the field. And I just said I take the Grom, so I'm just a big old hypocrite today. <laughs> I don't make any sense. Every time there's an ADP battle on the show, I'm just going all bonkers crazy. But it's Teoscar because that's a guy I've been drafting. I never draft George Springer because I can't trust him enough. Again, head-to-head cat situation. Springer can be useful in those moments he's available to you. And he can, if he's available in the playoffs, that's great, right? But how do you know that? I can't trust Springer to be healthy. I know that his per, you know, his per game output is elite. It's really good. But I'm going to Oscar because I just like what he brings to the table and where he's going. He's going later than he was last year, the year before. So I feel like I'm getting a little bit of a discount where I can grab him. And it's someone I actually think is above the ADP. Teoscar is a guy I've rated higher than, I guess you would say, the ADP rates him. There's... You said he had a down year last year, Teoscar, but I mean, it wasn't that bad. I mean, we still got started bad. That that's yeah. really what it was. So yeah, it started guess... bad because he got hurt like six games in, and he was hitting like four hundred with a couple homers. Like he was crushing it. He got hurt, then he came back too fast and was terrible to start when he came <laughs> back, and then he picked it up on the second half. So I'm I'm with you, Govia. I didn't mean to step on you here, but I'm I am absolutely with you on Tay Oscar over George Springer because it's not just the injuries for George Springer; it's the nagging stuff, and it's the oh well, he's going to play today, and then uh, he's got scratched from the lineup, or you know, yep. uh, it, it's it's all of that stuff too. Like it's less annoying if you're in a weekly league and you're like, well, I put him in. There's nothing I can do about it. But I play mainly daily, so me sitting there hovering over George Springer every day, going, is this going to turn green or what? Uh, is super <laughs> annoying. So give me Tay Oscar. I love the spot in Seattle as well. Uh, I know people were saying, well, you know, Seattle, not as much of a uh, hitter friendly park uh, as, as Toronto, but 
he would have hit more homers in Seattle last year, you know, with the all games in Seattle uh, thing. So give me Tay Oscar in this one. I'm a much bigger fan of him now at this point in their career than I am George Springer. Cause I just don't like all those nagging injuries. And as he get old, as he gets older, it's just going to get worse. So and I'll he, go with, yeah. with Teo. He started slow too, but he still ends up with a 129 WRC plus. That's rock solid, and he's better than that still. I I believe that. I I believe the best of Teoscar yeah. is available to us, and it'll be interesting to see how this new team in Seattle with a great lineup. I mean, Toronto, Seattle. I don't think you lose much either way in terms of the surrounding parts, but it'll be interesting to see how much more he can flourish or not in this situation. I'm betting he does, and that's why I take Teoscar here, Joe. I am ever so slightly Tay Oscar. They're they're beside each other in my rankings. The thing with Springer that actually surprised me last year, and being a Toronto fan, it's like a full-blown homer of the Blue Jays. I probably watched 156, 157 games, and I would have thought that Springer was absent for close to half of them. He played 133 games last year. It was shocking. <laughs> Absolutely shocking. The way he played, How many of those did he leave early is my yeah, question. Probably 120. <laughs> the way he plays the game, he is reckless with his body. He will throw himself against the outfield wall to make a catch, and as a fantasy manager, a lot of the time you're thinking – let it go in the gap. It can be a double. It can be a triple. It can be an inside the park. I don't care. I don't give a shit. Just let the ball go down. Don't get hurt. Watching the Blue Jays, you love that. But as a fantasy yeah. guy, you're like, come on to yeah. stay on the field. What are you doing? Relax. Every, everything he does, like every swing he takes almost as well. Like you're you're holding your breath because sometimes he'll take a swing. <laughs> he'll swing out of his shoes. And you're just like, oh, that's, there it is. He's done. He's done for the year. You don't have those same kind of worries with Tay Oscar, even though he was injured last year. I think the stats are going to be fairly similar with a little more power for Teoscar. I think the batting average will be a little bit better for Teoscar as well. I'm taking him. I'm taking him. I'm pissed off that the Blue Jays gave him away for essentially a relief pitcher. I'm taking Teoscar. I I am definitely in the Teoscar camp. But I do think that Springer, if he stays healthy, it's going to be very close in terms of the production. It's just a matter of if we're going to get those 130 games from him again. Shocking, shocking that he played 130 games. Maybe it wasn't to some people, but... I still can't believe it. I still honestly can't believe it. Yeah, I think Tasker is somewhere be- between the 77 ribbies and the 116 in 2021. Ribbies are ridiculous to try to predict, but yeah. you just have to assume, based on the law of averages for me, that in 2023, Tasker will hit more RBIs. He'll drive more runs in as long as he's healthy. Yeah, probably 90, 90 some odd range. I don't think we're going to see that from Springer, even with health uh, out of the leadoff spot. Maybe a couple more runs, but. Definitely, I think Tay Oscar is, uh, is the safer pick there. Guys, I really appreciate you doing this. Govier, you were coming back from New York, and we're trying to squeeze it in. I really appreciate you making every effort to be here, and we we worked it out. I'm glad we worked it out, and we got we got the show done. Guys, I uh, really, really appreciate that. Thank you so much for coming on. Hey, friends like these, Gary, huh? <laughs> yeah, thanks for having us, Joe. Appreciate the invite, man. This is fun. Yeah, I love both these guys. Great show. Thanks for having me, Joe. The- Fun was had by all, and hopefully everybody out there listening learned a thing or two (laughs) from a couple of doofuses. Let's hope so. Uh, Before I let you guys go, let's hear one more time what you got going on. Let's start with you, Gobier. Michael Gobier, MJ Gobier. I'll be in Vegas this weekend. You want to hear from some luminaries, some high-stakes players, people who know way more than I do or you do, according to them. Check me out at MJ Gobier. I like to post videos. They're fun. Palazzo Podcast, 2Ls, 2Zs. Try to pump out a new episode. I did a huge – I went through every position – 
for like almost two hours. It was it became much more than I really thought it would end up being. <laughs> I just started. I did every. It took me about forty minutes to get into it, but once I did, I went through like every position. Truly, catcher through relievers and the guys I like, guys I don't like. I commented on a bunch of people. So if you want just like a quick, but it's fully immersed review of all the positions before you draft this weekend. Check out the latest Palazzo podcast episode on YouTube or your preferred podcast platform. And of course, read the new Groovy with Govier comes out every Wednesday. It's a baseball roundup. And once the season gets going, I'll be commenting on things that are happening every week. Give you some news, give you some strategy. It's all from a fantasy perspective. So if you play fantasy baseball, Groovy with Govier at FTNFantasy.com is for you. Definitely be checking out all of Govier's work. One of the more exciting people in the industry, and that's why we're so glad he was able to join us today. Bugs, I try. What do you got going on, Bogs, over at ITL and everywhere else? Yeah, uh, check out InThisLeague.com for our Patreon over there. The Welsh and I will be doing two baseball shows a week like we always have uh, over at In This League. And uh, we got the football podcast coming up. I'll be uh, covering the NFL draft uh, on our uh, Twitch this year. So check that out. Uh, I'm on Fantasy Pros. I'm on CFB Winning Edge. Uh, just at Bogman Sports. I tweet out all my work over there. So uh, check that out. And uh, lots more coming. Excited baseball is coming. I'm going to be in Arizona hanging out with the Welsh uh, for opening day for the D-backs. So excited about that. But uh, yeah, at Bogman Sports, you can find all my stuff over there. Appreciate you having me, Joe. No, it's great to talk with you. I know Dan will probably listen to this episode because I think he only listens when you and Welsh are on. When are the yeah, other? Is that right? <laughs> I, think, I think that's the case. You want to know how ingrained you guys are with sports ethos. When I go to post an episode or an article or whatever rankings, and you, you, I put tags into the articles, whether it's fantasy, this, top, whatever, there are two tags in the sports ethos back end labeled Scott Bogman and Christopher Welsh. That Ooh, is how that. deep that's how deep you guys are in the fabric of the company. Back way back to the We love Dan day. and Aaron, man. We love those guys. I have not talked with them in far too long, but I think they will probably both tune in here because uh, their old buddy, their old buddy Bogman is on the show. <laughs> but make sure you guys are checking out Govier at MJ Govier, Bogman at Bogman Sports. You can find me at Joe Orico 99 and if you want to keep track of all our new podcasts, articles, draft guide updates, all news and notes, Go follow Ethos Fantasy BB over on the Twitter. The It's Gone podcast we've recently launched. Britton Allen. Yes. Britton Allen. That is right. Britton Allen's the man. Britton Love him. is awesome. He has a great new show. He has had a couple of fantastic guests. Mike Carter, David Mendelson, Richard Sands. He's had a bunch of great people on. Definitely be checking him out and everything else we got going on at sportsethos.com. Guys, we'll be back tomorrow talking pitching ranking changes with Alex Fast. Until then, take care. Have a great night and cheers, everybody. We will see you tomorrow. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.